Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Joining us right now is Molly King from Greenwich Academy. And the reason I've asked Molly on the show, this is the second leader of Greenwich Academy who's been with us, is because I've been so impressed with the effort that they're making to talk to our community about raising young people of good character and what the priorities in an education ought to be. Molly, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show. Hello. Hello. How are you, Lisa? It's nice to speak with you today. It's very nice to speak with you. So I'm looking at your bio. I know that you have been all about STEM, which is, you know, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. You've been on the numerous boards of many different kinds of related efforts. And clearly your passion for your entire career has been molding the education and character of young people. Why is that, Molly? Where did that come from? You know, it really is um, a vocation, Lisa, and I remember flirting briefly with going into business, and I was at a banking interview, and the interviewer said to me, you're no banker. (laughs) It was was a really good wake-up call um, to what I knew was true. I um, had the good fortune to have amazing role models in my parents, and um, while they weren't educators per se, they were extraordinary people. And uh, that idea of uh, giving back in the way that we're best suited to do so uh, was ingrained in me from a young age. And the natural um, venue just seemed to be connecting with young people, working at summer camps, coaching, uh, being a student teacher. Um, It just all seemed to lead to uh, the same path, and that was um, being in a school. And where did you grow up, Molly? I grew up in Dover, Massachusetts, a small town. I had the good fortune of going kindergarten through grade 12 in a wonderful um, public school system uh, and just had a tremendous experience there um, and was led to uh, the independent school um, network because um, as I graduated from college, uh, liberal arts college, Bowdoin, and didn't have teaching certification, independent schools don't require that. And so I went right into 
working um, in schools in Connecticut, actually. Uh, I was um, working at a boarding school um, at Taft, and it was a great way to start out my career. And, of course, um, my room and board were covered, which was enormously appealing as a, as a, <laughs> as a young person starting out. You know, Molly, I don't know if you know this for chatting with Molly King, but our producer, Melissa Chessman, is a graduate of Taft. Oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. Yes. Well, yes. Uh, good for her. And yeah. I, I have to say, listening to your last segment to um, the esteemed Senator Blumenthal, I had the good fortune his daughter is a graduate of oh. Greenwich Academy. So um, I was, um, I've been inspired by him, by his wife, the entire family, very um, notably uh, his wonderful daughter for, for many, many years. Well, that's wonderful. We're chatting with Molly King. So, Molly, I'm interested in knowing uh, because the independent route isn't available for most families. For sure. Um, It isn't available financially. It isn't feasible. Transportation. There's a million reasons why, Mm -hmm. Um, including the fact that a lot of parents like myself chose public school because we wanted our kids to fall out of the bus every day and theoretically play on the street with other kids on the street. And that was really important to me. Of course, we Mm -hmm. live in a time now where parents are afraid to let their kids play out on the street, but that's their problem. It wasn't mine. Anyway, and I don't know how to change that again. I don't know how to to bring back some elemental things about creating a feeling of um, spirit of freedom Mm-hmm. And, and of individual agency anymore. Mm-hmm. We're, mm-hmm. we're living in a time, and this is me editorializing, Molly, so I want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me more and more, and I have dear friends, mothers in their 40s, who, and dear friends of mine who are raising kids in every age, because depending upon when they started, right, every age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me they're so much more intrusive, yeah. and they're so much more fearful yeah. Um, and they use the um, the fear, the excuse of the fear, as an excuse yeah. to intrude. Yeah. And um, I just want to hear about that from your point of view, because yeah. I don't think that that's raising particularly healthy children. I, I, I agree with you um, wholeheartedly. And honestly, um, you know, whether one is in public schools or independent schools, and I would just say um, on the latter that um, uh, most independent schools, certainly um, ours, have robust um, need-based financial aid programs and meet the demonstrated need of all of their families in a way that most colleges don't, and that is free of loans. So I would want to just have that um, out there. But really importantly, you know, whether we're raising our children in public schools or independent schools, the goals are the same. And I love the language that you used around um, freedom and agency, because those characteristics are just so central, um, both to education in its purest form and the raising of children. And when you talk about um, fear, uh, you're absolutely right that the baseline of fear and anxiety, which has already been um, on the rise in the certainly in the nearly two decades that I've been head of Greenwich Academy, but really spiked uh, during the pandemic. And we simply haven't um, seen that uh, reset um, as quickly as we would like. And so 
I, I try when I'm working with um, parents, I try very hard, and I have two grown children who are steeped in raising their own children. I try to lead with empathy and without judgment because it is anxiety-provoking to raise children right now. When you're thinking about the very thing that you cite, you know that um, not all parents can feel free to let their children play out in the street with kids in the neighborhood. So, you know, these are not small things, but um, you're absolutely right that fear and anxiety can interfere with um, the freedom and agency that we want to see in our children. And so what's a school administrator's job? It is to manage that, and it is to ensure um, that you're instilling uh, trust, certainly, in your parent body so that they know um, how deeply committed you are to raising uh, children of great character who have that sense of agency you referenced. Um, and um, if that tendency, that fear-based tendency to overly manage, to curate children like they are a walking resume um, if that begins to interfere to really step up and to protect the educational process to protect the teachers who are on the front lines of it um, and to ensure that parents understand that what we are doing is in the best interests of their child and therefore in direct partnership with them as parents we're chatting with molly king Molly, what is you're the head of school at Greenwich Academy? I see that the head of school two zero three 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 nine four two two. I know so many teachers and so many administrators who are burnt out, and they mm-hmm. don't say that they're burnt out because of the kids. They say right. they're burnt out because of the parents. Right, right. It's it's true. I mean, and if you think it's a it's a double whammy, really, because these teachers uh, in public and independent schools. Uh, have truly been frontline heroes during the pandemic. They were just as afraid as the rest of us as getting COVID, and I'm speaking um, very much of the pre-vaccine environment, and yet what did they do? First and foremost, they had to turn on their head an enterprise which is deeply personal and intimate in its scale, and that is the process of teaching, and they had to go remote to a process that was virtual, disconnected from those face-to-face interactions, and that is an incredibly difficult thing to do. Think of the expertise any of us have, and that over a space of a couple of weeks, being asked to turn that on its head and do something completely different. And then as they were managing that um, higher fear and anxiety, it often manifested itself in criticism. And so to have done the heroic thing on the front lines being so dedicated to children, doing one's very best, whether one's school was in person um, or whether it was virtual, and for all of us it was virtual for a time, um, and then uh, to to um, be criticized for it, to be under another whole level of scrutiny because we're managing, you know, as I referenced, that ongoing fear and anxiety. It's been enormously difficult. So administrators, I think, are working doubly hard to maintain the morale. And I would say that there is a, a core group of parents in all of our schools 
that recognize the need to do this and have been great partners. It's a, it's a small but vociferous group of parents um, that can create challenges in any school. <clears throat> We're talking about approaches to education, difficulty with parents, pressures of fear, and a little bit of hovering going on. Uh, Molly <laughs> King, one, one of the conversations that I've... Oh, Molly, your daughter Sally is on. That is cool. <laughs> Hi, Sally. Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Thanks Show. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are, you? How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to have it. Uh, now I get to eavesdrop on a conversation between you and your mother. This is good. I like this. I like Lisa, this. Thank you. Well, this is a work-related question, actually, for my mom. Um, almost 20 years at Greenwich Academy, you've seen a full generation of parenting occur. And I was curious if you could speak to, I'm a millennial parent, what could I learn from the Gen X? Ma- Sally, you there? Oop, it, it cut out. For but I, I think we think I know what she was saying. Okay, yes. so she wants to know what can they learn from Gen X. And I'll just yes. say I'm on the young end of baby boomers. We're not all that different. So go ahead. Yep. Yeah. Right. It's- it's uh, it's a great question because a lot has changed. I think that um, for for the Gen Xers, um, that group as opposed to um, the Millennials was was frankly known for giving a, a little bit more um, space to their kids. What we were speaking of, not overly managing or being overly uh, curatorial, but. I guess um, what I would say when we get to the specifics of what has changed so radically that all parents are dealing with now is social media and the immediacy of communication. And so I would, um, it, it just wouldn't be a complete talk about parenting or education without recognizing just the profound impact that has had. And I would say the management by parents, because schools can only do so much, um, the, the, the language of any expert or educator is delay, delay, delay. Do not put um, an expensive piece of technology, which is um, largely beyond the control of parents, um, into a child's hands. Um, a, a very unregulated world, and there are some wonderful parent controls and um, you know programs that we subscribe to, like Common Sense Media and others. But delay, delay, delay in terms of access to a largely unregulated world that um, can profoundly impact identity development in children, and that for parents can make them more anxious. Sally, how old are your kids? Oops, Sally came and went. How old are your grandchildren, Molly? Uh, hers are five and six. I'm really curious to know if, if, if Sally seems to me in a bad area connection-wise. She keeps calling in. Sally, are you back? Because I'd like to know. I'm, I'm back. Thank so, you so, so you have kids that are five and six. Do they have a phone yet? No, absolutely not. And I'd like to delay it as long as possible. And are you already subject to feeling peer pressure that your kids don't have a screen, whereas some of their friends do? Not so much the screen at this age, but certainly the over-curated program um, as pertains to afternoon activities, weekend activities, and Mm. all of that. So how are you handling this as a mom? Are you letting your kids have some unstructured space? Do they have... Do they always have to call for a play date, or is there anybody that they can just go over and hang with? I mean, I don't know. How does it work nowadays? 
I'm trying to retain probably the best part of the pandemic, which was that they were forced to play together. And so they continue to do that. Mm. We didn't have the choice of outside activities. So to kind of retain that unstructured time and that home time, I think has been really important. And I've tried to carry that through. Are you in our area? Are you raising your kids in the Connecticut suburban lifestyle? What lifestyle are you are you in? I'm in New York City, which I think kind of presents its own challenges and benefits. We spend a lot of time out in Greenwich at my parents' house, but that's very much family time. It's less social. It's interesting. I'm listening to you with great interest, Sally, because my daughter, Joanna, is living in Manhattan, and she bought a a place with her husband. They got married two years ago, and she's thinking about starting a family in the next few years, and they want to stay in New York City, and they want us in Westport to be what your parents are for you in Greenwich, and they really want to make it work. (laughs) And so, I mean, my son-in-law's already been reading Lenore uh, Skenazy about free-range kids, Mm, and and he's hoping, who I interviewed, by the way, when that book first came out 15 years ago, and and um, he's hoping that because he grew up in Israel in a very free, very different dynamic society, Mm. that, uh, and he grew up in nature, that he can let his kids have that freedom, that agency. I mean, five and six is young, but still they can walk to the corner at some point and they can do stuff, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. This curated notion of parenting. Let's go back to Molly. We've just got about a yep. minute, Molly. Yeah. So, so your best piece of advice for parents is keep them away from screens for as long as possible. But once the Pandora's box is out, then what? Then what do you say? Then I think that um, as we just um, consider that that desire to curate and manage is fear-based, is anxiety-based, um, am I going to somehow disadvantage my child right. if they don't opt in for that soccer team oh or that piano lesson or oh. that chess tutor? Um In those moments where it feels overwhelming, enlist the school as a partner. Reach out to that teacher or that administrator and say, I'm struggling with this. What do you see? And ask for their view as that frontline advocate and witness because the majority of those waking hours are at school. Enlist that um, expert that they are and then listen and trust. I, I will often say to parents, I wish that you could trust that the day is so complete and so engaging for your children so that they could get in the car yeah, and just decompress, and just breathe and exactly. know that they have some oh, downtime please. rather than eat really fast in the back seat mm-hmm. and change their clothes so that Molly, they're all ready for the next activity. We're going to get cut off. I agree with you. That's yeah. why I spend a lot of time watching Gilligan's Island. We're going to be right back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.